Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. And Lord, as the song says, we love you. Lord, you are so graceful to us. You are so merciful to us. And Lord, you continue to pour into our lives. And Lord, right now, as we go into a time of studying your word, Father, you see the hard topics that we're going to cover today. And Lord, I ask that you calm my nerves. But more importantly, Lord, I ask that you open up our hearts to receive the message that you want us to hear. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to us and you guide our thoughts and our minds and help us, Lord, to be able to hear you today. And it's in your glorious name that we pray. Amen. If you turn on the TV or you go to the gas station and buy a newspaper or if you get online and you go to a news station through their website, you'll read the headlines. And I know we all have. As you're watching TV and all of a sudden the broadcast comes up and you read the bottom portion that scrolls through or you grab that newspaper and right there in big bold letters or you get online and all of a sudden you see all your friends on Facebook talking about it. And it's devastating sometimes reading those headlines, reading about the travesty that happened, reading about the deaths and seeing the evil that overtakes the world sometimes. And as we're sitting there, all we ask is why? Why did the innocents have to be taken? Why did that life have to be taken? And it breaks our heart. Several years ago, I read a, I read a newspaper and it said that the, the headline was, two boys commit murder. And I, I, I was devastated, it said two boys and they were teenagers. And as I continued to read the story, it said that the two boys had ordered pizza. Seems innocent enough, and two boys hanging out ordering pizza. But as you continue reading, it said that they ordered pizza not because they wanted food, but because they wanted to kill the delivery man. And when interrogated about it, they said, we just wanted to see somebody die. We've all seen the headlines where an evil, evil person goes into a school and takes innocent lives. We've all seen those headlines, we've all heard those stories. We've seen the headlines where it says, fellow gang member commits a drive-by shooting and kills several other gang members. And all we do is we sit back and we say, why? Why? I read a statistic, and I know statistics change all the time, but I was, reading, I was reading it, and I was looking at all the numbers and stuff, and it said that America has the highest murder rate in the industrialized world. The highest murder rate. 
Now, America's not the only one that has murder, but it said it had the highest analysis, like I said, statistics change. But when this article came out, it said that they had, we had the highest murder rate in the industrialized world. Uh, That same article as I was reading, (coughs) and I went through, it said that you are statistically more likely to, to be murdered or die in one of America's major cities than a soldier going overseas to fight for his country. Those statistics are rock us, guys. But it's not, it's not just us. I'm not, I'm not here to insult America. This is just the culture we live in, so I'm gonna use it because it's relevant to us. But that, that, that should worry us. But it's not a modern day problem, right? It, it, this, isn't something, this isn't something new to us. If you go all the way back to, to the book of Genesis, the, the, the first recorded death that, that we have in recording, the first recorded death that we have it wasn't an aging father. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an aging mother who, who was able to peacefully pass away in her sleep. No, it was a son who was taken because of murder. The first funeral, so to speak, that happened that we know about wasn't an aged father or an aged mother it was a son that was taken prematurely because of someone's hate and someone's anger. And see, we've been going through this series entitled God's Big Ten, and we've been talking about God's principles for holy living, and, 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 and we've been talking about how we need to become people or how we need to continue to be people of godly character and what that takes, and, and, and we've been studying uh, through all of his commandments, and, and the first four commandments talk about his, our relationship with God, right, and how we need to have a relationship with him first and foremost, and how we shouldn't put anyone above him, and he, God is so sacred, God is so holy and almighty, that even his name should be taken seriously and taken as precious and holy and how we need to set aside a day in our week where we just say this is the Lord's day and and how our relationship with him should come first above everything else. And then last week we, we talked about the fifth commandment, which is, which, is, which is the bridge between the first four and the last five. And it is, it is thou shalt, you know, you should honor your mother and father and how we should have our, a good relationship with our parents because our parents are the ones that introduce us to God first. They're the ones that we see God and how we see God. And then our, it bridges the gap because our parents are also the first people to teach us how to relate to other people, Right? And so this sixth, or yeah, it's the sixth commandment that we're going to be talking about is the first commandment that really gets into how we should treat other people. And so if you go to Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 13, or it is verse 13, this is what he says. He says, you shall not murder. Plain and simple, right? Plain and simple, you shall not murder. That's all he says. And we've gone through the other commandments and some of them probably struck it. You're like, you know what, pastor, you're right. That one, that one hits home or preacher, this one hits home. Oh, pastor, that's a, you made a good point there. Oh, you know what, preacher, that one's not really relevant to me. And sometimes when we go through the 10 commandments and we start pinpointing which ones really we need to work on and ones that aren't relevant to us, sometimes we look at this one and we think, well, this one's just not relevant to us. Thou shalt not murder, got it. And I hope I'm right when I say this there's no murders in our congregation. 
I hope that's right. Now, okay, I hope I'm correct. Don't make, don't make me a liar. We're going to talk about lying coming up here pretty soon. So don't make me a liar when I say, I hope there's no murders in here. And also, I, listen to this, I, I hope there's no potential murders in here. So if you're contemplating that, please come talk to me. We'll, we'll get you some help. But, but murder, right, when we talk about murder, we think, you know what, preacher, I'm not a murderer. My family's not a murderer. I, we're never going to kill anybody. So, so this one's not relevant to us. Okay, thou shalt not murder. Move on, pastor. You can get two in one Sunday. We can shorten this series. But I believe, I, I truly believe in the bottom of my heart that if we look at this commandment and we dig deeper, we will see just how relevant this one is to us. Thou shalt not murder, but, but church, there's some things that go along with this that we really need to, that we really need to pay attention to. And I hope that, that you guys will, will really bear with me this morning because this is not an easy sermon to talk about. This is not an easy thing to preach about um, because there will be, and I just want you guys to fasten your seatbelts, there will be some controversial issues that we're going to talk about this morning. And I want you to know that your new preacher does not stray away from the hard truth. Okay, when it comes to the tough topics, I'm just going to preach it to you guys. I'm going to deliver it the way the truth that I know. And there will be things that we talk about that are very tough, especially this morning, okay? All I ask is that you bear with me and we get through this together because there are some very good things that we're going to talk about, all right? Because this sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder, it leads us to ask three questions, all right? So if you're taking notes, there's three questions that we're going to ask. The first is, what does the sixth commandment not forbid? What is not forbidden in the sixth commandment? You're like, well, thou shalt not murder. There, 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 there's things that are not forbidden in this? Yes, okay? There are things that are not forbidden in this. And the first one that's not forbidden in this is this. You ready for this? Killing of animals is not murder. Okay, I need you to hear me. In 1611, the King James Version of the Bible was produced or, or translated, and they translated this as thou shalt not kill. All right, the King James Bible says thou shalt not kill. However, a lot of people have misapplied things to this verse because of the word kill. And if you look back to the Hebrew translation, what you will find is that the, the word that was used translated to the willful, deliberate, malicious, unlawful taking of a life. And so what modern translations have done is they have taken the word and they've translated to murder instead of kill, okay? So when we're reading this, the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder, we need to understand that the killing of animals is not murder. And listen to me, if you are a vegan or vegetarian, that is a personal conviction. We are not going to stand up here and condemn you. That is a personal conviction. That is your choice. All we ask is you do not condemn those of us who are meat eaters. Okay? And I'm going to use the Bible to back me up for a second. The scripture says in Genesis, all the wild animals, large and small, and all the birds and the fish will be afraid of you. I have placed them in your power and have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables, Genesis chapter 9. Okay, the killing of animals is not murder. Number two, self-defense is not murder. Listen to what scripture has to say about this. Listen to this. If a thief is caught breaking in and is struck so that he dies, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. But if it happens after sunrise, he is guilty of bloodshed. 
So if somebody, let me, let me get, illustrate this. So if somebody comes into your house and breaks in, right, and you wake up and they're in your house and, you, and they're, they're about to cause harm to your child, and what you do is you step up and say, no, you're not gonna do that, and you start, you start fighting this person because you're in defense of your child, you're trying to protect your child, and what you end up doing is striking that person and they die, listen to me, you're not guilty of murder. You were in self-defense of your child and your family. You were protecting yourself. But there is a difference between self-defense and revenge. If you are in the act of defending yourself and your family, it's not murder. You have the right to defend yourself. However, if you wake up and you go downstairs and you see that your house has been broken into or something has happened, and you take it upon yourself to go and find that person and cause harm to them to where they die, that is murder. Do we see the difference? Self-defense is not murder. You, you, you have the right to protect yourself, okay? Revenge, that's blatant murder, guys. There's a difference. Okay, so the taking, of, the, the, the taking of animals for food, and I, and I get it, animals should be treated with respect, they should be treated humanely, and they should be, when we, when we harvest them, it should be in a very clean, quick fashion so there's no pain. I got that, I have pets. Animals should be treated respectfully. Self-defense is not murder, as long as, you, as long as it's not out of revenge, it is the act of defending yourself. Number three is accidental deaths are not murder. Accidental deaths are not murder, okay? So if you read in Deuteronomy chapter 19, it says that a man and his friend went into the forest to cut wood. As the man was swinging the ax, the iron head flies off the handle and strikes his friend who dies. It wasn't intentional. It was an accident. It wasn't premeditated. It wasn't vengeful. It was purely an accident. Therefore, there is no guilt of murder, Let's make it more personal. I'm not sure how many of us are going into the woods with axe nowadays. Okay, let's, let's bring it home for a second. So you're out driving. It's February. It's cold. It rained the night before. <clears throat> so you're driving. You're heading to work. It's dark outside. You're drinking your coffee. Okay, so you're, you're, you're focused on the road, and all of a sudden you hit black ice. Did you mean to do it? You can't see black ice. The reason why they call it black ice, it blends in with the, with the asphalt. You know, you're on the highway, you're going 75 miles an hour. You hit that patch of black ice, you start spinning. You're out of control of that vehicle. You were innocently trying to make it to work to provide for your family. It is not your fault that there's black ice on that road. You hit that ice, you smash into another car. Those injuries cause death. Church, listen to me. It is not your fault. And I know when I talk about some of these, there, there is gonna, it is going to strike in you something that may have happened in the past. And listen to me when I tell you guys as we continue to go through this list. Listen to me, church. The enemy wants to use guilt against you. He wants to bring you down because of it, but God can bring you healings. If this has happened, it's not your fault. It was an accident. It was an accident. You, you can't always, you can't always, I know we ask why, well why, I don't, I don't have all the answers for you, I don't know why sometimes bad, we live in a fallen cursed world, church, there's the reality, things are going to happen. Accidents do happen, and if a life is lost in the midst of that accident, you cannot carry that guilt with you the rest of your life. It wasn't your fault. 
Taking animals for food and clothing, not, it's not murder. Self-defense is not murder. Revenge is. Self-defense isn't. Accidental killing is not murder. And number four on this one, a just war is not murder. A just war is not murder. Now I know, listen to me, I get it. War is always hard to deal with. War is always, always a terrible thing. Yet sometimes wars are valid and necessary. Sometimes there is a moral obligation to fight as long as it is in defense of the innocent. A just war is always in defense. Are you defending the innocent in this war? A just war is always defensive and characterized by a just cause, just intentions, a last resort, limited limited objectives, and an immunity of the innocent. A just war is not murder. I was reading in Ecclesiastes, it says there is a time for every event under the sun, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. A just war as long as it's in defense of the innocent, is not murder. And listen to me. If you've been there, you know the scars that come with it. It's hard, and you will fight with guilt the rest of your life, but understand you are in defense of the innocent. A just war is not murder. And we can continue going on. I know there's other things that we can add to this list about what is not forbidden in the sixth commandment, but these are the four that really have struck out to me and I thought that we needed to cover today. And then the next question is this. What is forbidden in the sixth commandment? Church, as we go through these, listen to me. I ask that you listen, you do not get offended, and you just hear, I, will, I promise I will give biblical references because some of these will touch on political things. I am not taking a political stance at all. I will never take a political stance from the pulpit, ever. I'm a Christian before I am any kind of, any kind of government thing. I'm giving my biblical beliefs on these topics, there's three of them. And the first one is this, the deliberate taking of a human life is murder. Okay, that's the easy one. That's the, that's the one where we all, okay, thou shalt not murder. Got it. A deliberate taking of a human life. And I know this point can actually kind of get confusing, especially with the American penal system. Uh, you have first, second, and third degree murder. You have voluntary, involuntary manslaughter, reckless homicide, and vehicular homicide, and so on and so forth. If you look at our justice system, there are all kinds of categories of murder, and it can get very confusing. However, the Old Testament it, it say, states that it is the taking of a human life with malice, forethought, anger, and intent was condemned, okay? It is the deliberate taking of a life. That's where it goes back to the revenge portion, all right? Something happens and you go out of revenge and you, you know, the, the whole Taken movie, you guys have seen that one? That, a lot of that was revenge. I know he was trying to find his daughter, but a lot of that, a lot of that killing was revenge. I know it's just a movie, but it's just this illustration there. But is the deliberate taking of a life is murder. Don't do it. Okay. Now this second one, and this is where we're going to touch on some, some very hard topics here. Okay, I need everyone just to, to bear with me here. The second one is this. Suicide is forbidden. We're talking about the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not murder. Suicide 
is forbidden. First Corinthians says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Church, listen to me. If you've never had to deal with suicide, then you don't know the devastation that it causes. If you've never been there on a personal side, you do not understand what that individual is going through. I preach suicide is forbidden because it is. But I also believe that we serve a just God, that we serve a merciful God. If you've never had to experience this, then you do not understand the devastation that comes with this. Suicide, listen to me, church, is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. That's what suicide is. And I truly believe that we serve a merciful God because God understands that when someone commits suicide, that when someone takes their own life, that they're not in the right state of mind. And it is my prayer that when this happens, God understands the darkness that is overwhelming them, that they, can, they, they feel completely helpless to the point that there is no other escape except for taking their own life. And so it is my prayer that God will see the state of mind that they were in and that he will offer them mercy and grace. And church, I want to stand here this morning because what we have a tendency to do on topics like this and the church, I'm just going to talk about the church for a second. The church is guilty of this, whether we want to admit it or not, is we talk about these topics and we say, oh, it's forbidden and we don't offer any help. We say, don't do it, but then we leave them by themselves. And this one hits very personal to me. This one hits home with me. Church, look at me. If you're having these thoughts, come talk to your preacher, please. If you know someone who is dealing with this, please come talk to me. Suicide is not ridding, getting rid of the problem, it is putting it off on somebody else. It is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I understand, church. I get it from a very personal standpoint. The darkness that you're feeling the overwhelming issue of depression. You may not feel like there's an out. You may not feel like there is no one cares. Listen to me, church, right now, I'm telling you, you guys have my phone number, call me. It does not matter what time of night. I will be there for you. We will get through it together. If you are having these issues or know someone that is, don't take your own life. People love you. And we're here for you. Reach out to somebody, get the help. And I pray that God, that, that God sees the darkness, I pray, but do not use that as a justification that we say, well, you know what, God will be merciful on me. I don't know that to be true. I don't know, church. I know that it's forbidden. That's what I know. I pray that when this happens, God will see the darkness that overwhelmed them and clouded their judgment. Do you wanna take that gamble? Church, your life is worth living. Every one of you, listen to me, church. You were created in the image of God and you have a purpose. 
and you are loved. You are a child of God who says, I need, God says he wants you to be alive because he has a mission on your life and he's gonna use you for greater things. Do not, do not take that as an out to get rid of a problem. The problem is temporary, suicide is permanent. We can get rid of the problem, we can never get you back. If you see somebody or know someone who's having this issue, listen to me guys, I have spent years studying this stuff. Please contact me and we will get the help. Can we do that? The deliberate taking of a human life is forbidden. Suicide is forbidden. And church, again, on this next one, I am not taking a political stance at all. This is not political. But number three is this, abortion is murder. Abortion is forbidden. And I'm just gonna be blunt for a second, I don't care if you disagree with me. Abortion's murder. It is, church. You see, abortion providers claim that it's hate speech when referred to as murder. But the question is not this, it is not when does life begin, that's not the question. The real question is, what is the value on the unborn? What's the value of that life? Do we value the life of the unborn or not? Abortion's murder, church. If you read scripture, it says, if men struggle with each other and strike a woman with a child so that she she has a miscarriage, yet there is no further injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him, and he shall pay as the judges decides. But there is no further injury. They shall appoint as penalty for life for a life. Mother Teresa said in 1994 at the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., this is what Mother Teresa said. She said, if we accept that we can kill our own children, then how can we tell other people not to kill each other? How can we say don't kill each other if we're willing to kill our own babies, church? She continued on and said this, any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love, but to use violence to get whatever it wants. I don't care where you stand on this politically. It's biblically wrong to take children. It doesn't matter if you take the child's life on this side of the birth canal or this side, it's murder. Plain and simple. It's murder. But hear me, church, here, here's, the, here's the kicker with this one. I can stand up here and preach this all day long and you can agree with me, yes? How are we helping the women? See, I can preach, I can preach that it's, that it's murder. Oh, abortion is murder, abortion is murder, and then do nothing to help her. What am I doing? If we're gonna tell her to keep the baby, don't you think that we should provide some help for her? Come on, church. Shouldn't we provide some resources? And I, I, listen, I, I, I do not stand up here and preach unless I'm willing to do it. There's a resource back home. It's called Elizabeth's Hope, and me and my wife have been involved in it for a lot of years, and it is a, it, they, 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 help people, they help them find adoption agencies because they believe in the value of life. They help them find adoption agencies. They help them financially. They give them clothes. They help feed the baby. They give them counseling classes because a lot of people think, a lot of these women think, well, I'm not fit to be a mother, and so what these resource centers do is they help teach them how to be a mother. You see, we can't say abortion's wrong and then just kick them to the curb and not do anything for them, church. We've got to help them. We want to tell them that your child has value, then let's show them that we believe their child has value. Abortion's wrong, but are we willing to help them?
And I know when you preach this, when I, when I stand up here and preach this, I'm, and I'm also rubbing salt in some wounds, listen to me, I am not condemning you if you've made that choice. I'm not condemning you. It's not the unpardonable sin, church. I know on a political standpoint we make it that way, but listen to me, if, if, a, if a young woman or a lady has made that choice, listen to me, and you're suffering with guilt, God can provide you healing. You see, what happens is a lot of time as Christians, especially as conservative Christians, we, we preach this stuff, we preach this stuff at such, a, such an angle that, that it ends up turning into hate, and they don't feel like they can come to us, and we sit back, well, why aren't they coming to us? Would you wanna come to us? If all we're doing is spitting hate at them, we've gotta provide them with that healing. We've gotta show them the love of Jesus Christ who said, look, I get it, you've made some bad choices in your life, but that doesn't mean you're gone forever. I can provide you that healing, I can bring you back, I can remove that guilt from you, and I can help you make better choices in the future. If you're suffering with that guilt, listen to me, church, give it to God, because he can transform you. We can preach this stuff all day long, but if we don't show the love, if we don't provide the resources, if we do not step up and say, I'm willing to help you, it means nothing. It means nothing. Church, these three things, and I know there's other things, I was gonna talk about euthanasia as well, but these are the three big things that I wanted to talk about today. The deliberate taking of a life, the suicide is forbidden, and abortion is, is murder. Again, listen to me, church. If you are suffering with suicidal ideations, if you have those thoughts, please come talk to me. Please come talk to me. We will get you the help. I have a lot of resources. And abortion, listen to me. If you're contemplating that, come find us. We will help you every step of the way. We will not leave your side. We will help you every step of the way. And so the first two questions, what's not forbidden, what is forbidden? And as we continue talking and asking questions, we gotta ask, what does Jesus say about the sixth commandment? What does God say about it? You see, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes the principle a step further. He said that you don't have to wield a knife or pull a trigger or give an injection to murder someone. Just as there's, one, there's more than one way to skin a cat, there's more than one way to kill somebody. And Jesus, he, he took it a step further than actual physical actions. In Matthew chapter five, he said, you have heard the ancients were told, you shall not murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. You see, Jesus said, even if you're angry at them, you're guilty of murder. He continued on. He said, whoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be guilty before the Supreme Court talking bad about him, he says, you, you might as well have killed him. He says, speaking bad about him. And whoever shall say, you fool, you shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Words of Jesus Christ, not me. Mm, that one strikes a little bit more home, doesn't it, church? That one hits a little harder. You see, we're sophisticated enough to use our guns for things like shows and target practice. We use our knives to cut prime roast or beef. We wouldn't think, right? We would never think about using our guns or knives against somebody. Of course not. Yet, we destroy them all the same with our tongues and our anger. Oh, preacher, you're right. This doesn't apply to me. We shouldn't murder. I'm not gonna kill nobody. Yeah, but what are you talking, what are you saying about them? How angry are you towards them? Because Jesus said the same fiery hell is waiting on you. 
What are you saying about that person behind their back? You say, Jesus, Jesus says there's little difference between a dripping knife and juicy gossip. He says there's little difference between a racing bullet and sharpened tongues because all flow from the same source. And you know what that source is? It's a hateful heart. He says there's no difference between a bullet and a tongue because it's all flowing from this. He says it all flows from a hateful heart. Jesus says that the Old Testament law condemns murder, but he says, I say that anger will get you into the same hell as well. Church, let that sink in for a second. This one hits home. You see, Jesus is speaking about having an attitude towards another person. It's your attitude towards them. It's how you talk about them. He says, how you talk about them and your attitude towards them He says, what you end up doing is devaluing their life. Murder is devaluing their life. And Jesus says, by talking bad about them and harboring anger towards them, you're devaluing their life. You're saying they're nothing. They're not worth anything. They might as well be dead. All because of what? They disagreed with you? They spoke bad words about you? You're gonna devalue their life because of what? That's a, gut che- that's a gut check to us, church. It all boils down to this. People of godly character respect life. Meaning you're not gonna be angry towards them. You're not gonna spew hate at them. You see, it all begins with the first commandment. When we have no other gods before him and we honor him first and foremost, only when God counts for everything does our fellow man count for anything. Church, it starts with God. Once we realize that God is everything and we see, listen to me, ready for this? Once we see our fellow man the way God sees them, their life will have value. And we won't say the things we say about them. We won't harbor that anger Scripture says this, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. It says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Listen to me, church, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Church, if you will, stand to your feet with us.